Welcome to the Unchained Podcast. This is a space where we talk openly about topics that are typically seen as taboo in casual conversation. We want to remove barriers for people to share their stories without fear. Hi guys, welcome to the Unshamed Podcast, and I'm Katie Edgman. I'm the host, and uh, today we have the lovely Elaine Merritt, all the way from Drada, and she is going to be sharing a bit of her story with us. Welcome, Elaine. Hi, thanks for having me, Katie. Oh, it's so much fun. To, we've been chatting a little bit before. Elaine's been um, sharing a bit about what she's going to talk about today, and I'm actually really excited that you guys get to hear just a piece of this really awesome lady's life and, and what she's learned along the way. Um, but today we're going to be talking especially about how people get treated. Um, this is kind of a hard topic, but how people might get treated in circles that are Christian circles that are like, we call it the church. So like in big quotations, so that could be any kind of church any kind of uh, Christian label you want to put on it. But Elaine's going to share a little bit about her experience. And everybody has different experiences with church and with crisis pregnancy. Some are pretty neutral. Some are pretty chaotic. Um, but Elaine has her own story that happened to her. So Elaine, can you just share a little bit about your growing up, you know, where you came from and that kind of thing? Of course, yeah. I'm from Dunleer, County Loud, and I grew up in a family of six children, and um, I am now 46 years old, and I have two girls, one is 27 and one is 16, and I'm married 22 years, yeah. Mm. So at the moment, I've just finished a degree in psychotherapy and um, do some pastoral care work. Oh, okay. Yes. Listeners, I forgot to mention that Elaine is, she's a, she's probably wouldn't boast about herself, but she is, she's worked really hard to finish her degree in psychotherapy and she's working on her hours, seeking accreditation. She's almost there, but she's, um, been seeing clients and pretty soon she'll be able, will you be able to charge for your services? Hope so. <laughs> Hope so really soon. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but anyway, Elaine, would you share a little bit about what it was like you know, um, being pregnant for the first time, that whole experience, there's a lot, a lot going on socially, a lot going on spiritually, actually. And could you share some of that stuff with us today? Yes, no problem. Um, so it was in 1994 when I got pregnant with my girl, um, my, she's now 27. Mm. And, um, in that time I was part of a Christian church, still am. And um, so I, um, yeah, I, I remember being very close uh, in my relationship um, to God. And, um, but I had many temptations along the way and, and uh, I was 17 years of age. And um, over time I met this boy and mm. um, I craved love, probably in the wrong places. And... Mm. Um, so I was intrigued by this this boy and before I knew it I was probably doing a lot of things that I thought I'd never entertain and after a few months I found out found myself pregnant um on a spiritual sense um straight away there was like what I could say is a conviction um of heart um 
in some ways I felt I had committed the ultimate sin because my sin was outward and could be seen. Mm. Um, but much um, guilt, shame, condemnation, di- many feelings going on within and not knowing how to deal with those feelings. Um, I knew I was loved um, by God, but I didn't really know about grace or forgiveness. Mm. Um, so I was quite fearful because um, to bring the news home to my parents, they were very um, involved in the church. And I know it was probably initially going to be maybe a big disappointment to mm. them. And um, I remember holding the, the news of the pregnancy for quite some time, trying to figure it all out within, so to speak. Yeah. And that was a very lonely, lonely time. Um, the, the father of the child, his parents was, was reacted differently. They were a more relaxed family. And uh, oh, that's nice. Yeah, <laughs> they were OK with the news, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so, yeah, I remember just where I couldn't hold it anymore because it was kind of affecting my my health. And I told my mum and she was she was fine. But we were very nervous about telling my dad. We were brought up in a very Christian, strict Christian home. Mm. And um, yeah, so one Sunday I plucked up the courage to tell my dad. And I my bags packed in the hall. <laughs> I had gone to the, my boyfriend's mum to ask could I move in there if, if, if I got thrown out of the home. Mm. I just wanted to have a plan. But um, my father received the news better than I thought. Mm-hmm. And um, we just talked about what would happen possibly in the future um, so that he was OK at that time that we had a plan the best we could. I, yeah. I suppose at that time I told him a lot of what I felt he would want to hear, mm. not what was I was really feeling or thinking inside. Inside, I was worried. Mm-hmm. I was fearful. Mm-hmm. I was uh, young and I was I was concerned yeah I felt my whole world had turned upside down in some ways mm-hmm. I remember going to the doctor and uh, he was talking about the different facilities to go away and adopt your baby and different things and I just remember trying to interrupt him and say but doctor I'm keeping my baby wow and he was just shocked to the point of he 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 uh, mumbled his words so to speak where um, was he wanting to what was he wanting for you to do yeah I think he was looking at maybe this young girl and thinking he knew the the family and he knew the, it was a small village and he was probably thinking this girl's not thinking mm. about how this m- may affect her whole future mm-hmm. but he was wanting um he was talking about there was at that time there was different facilities that you could go to and I guess stay for six months and uh, were those mother and baby homes or it was like they were kind of fizzling out then but there was new new kind of homes that you could go to and you would would sort they'd sort the adoption for you I didn't know that 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 existed in the 90s yeah some had only closed some had only closed but this was his mindset until I said when I said, doctor, I'm keeping my baby, he just sat on the chairman. Oh, oh, so that's how shocked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was started kind of playing with the books on the bookcase behind him. And like he was trying to process what I just had said. 
How did you feel when he reacted like that? I, I, well, I remember just being confused and thinking, why is he acting so strange? <laughs> or why would he not even speak to me and just assume that this was the road I was going to go down? Mm. There was no conversation with me about what I was feeling, thinking, mm. anything. But I knew enough to go. And in those days, today I'm a very strong, confident woman. In those days, I was a very shy, introvert girl. Really? So for me to even pluck the courage to go, excuse me, doctor, mm. um, I'm keeping my baby, was huge for me to say that. Wow. But the, it just kind of came from the very essence of me. I hadn't even considered that there was maybe possibly some other options. Yeah. I just knew in my heart, okay, even if I'm thrown out of the home, okay, I'll make it work. I'll figure it out. Um, I did have a little job at the time, so I, I suppose maybe I was co comforted by that, that I could bring some kind of provision. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, yeah. But he took done all my bloods and tests and everything and paperwork and everything. But I remember being in that office for about two hours and walking out to a full waiting room. And this is a village where everyone would know you and just getting mm -hmm. a look. Mm -hmm. As if to say, well, what was going on in there? Because I did you want to cough and be like, <laughs> doctor's, doctor's appointments are maybe 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. So in some ways, I wondered, I do try go back and wonder, what was I doing there for two hours? Mm. Mm. But a lot of it was tests and all that kind of thing. Yeah. I don't remember any in-depth, helpful conversation. Mm -hmm. For yeah. sure, no. Um, definitely not. Mm. And, and then in regard to my dad, I suppose we were trying to, maybe I think he went to the elders and told the elders of the church. So mm. the leadership, I guess, of the church, you would call them, yeah. that I was pregnant. And this mm -hmm. was a small church. We went to maybe 40 people. Mm -hmm. And um, I just remember him saying they're coming to visit mm -hmm. um, the house. So I was okay with that because at that time I was so kind of confected in heart and the damage I had done, so to speak, to my parents. I was more thinking about everybody else than me. Mm. How can I put this right, so to speak, in society, in church? Mm -hmm. um, so when they came, they had a meeting alone, which mm. in hindsight, I often wonder why was I not included. <laughs> but I think it's because my daddy still seen this little girl. Yeah. And he didn't see this woman that was now pregnant. Mm -hmm. But I remember they calling me into the room and they asked me to write a letter to the church and to basically say that saying that I was pregnant and that I was sorry. Stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And um, that it needed to be that they would read it out in front of the church. So mm -hmm. I remember my dad leaving the room and upset but we didn't ever have a conversation about why mm. he was upset. Again, I think he's seen the little girl. But I remember just saying, yeah, OK, because at that time I just thought, OK, if this will put things right, I'll write the letter. Mm. Um, so I did. I wrote the letter. And I'll always remember that Sunday that the letter was wrote, uh, read out, excuse me, read out to the church. Did you have to read it or did someone else do it? Someone else done it. Yeah. One okay. of the pastors of the leadership team um, okay. read it out. 
And um, my daughter's dad at the time, he was a professional footballer. And that day he had a big championship match. Mm-hmm. And um, so he wasn't coming. But last minute he said, no, I, I need to go and I need to, to be there for you. Yeah. And he did. He got in lots of trouble <laughs> football wise for not being at that match. But I guess that was helpful to have him there. Mm-hmm. But I just remember just crying, crying mm-hmm. the whole way through as the letter. I, today, I, I would love to see that letter. Where did did, did it get tossed out? Did I'd love to know. Yeah, I'd love to know. I'd love to see the letter today because I'm interested in what I wrote. Mm. Um, you know, it's like some memories are blocked out. Yeah. I can't remember sitting and writing the letter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just remember just holding myself just together and no more on the chair because mm-hmm. I could nearly feel the hear the the gasp yeah. in the air but I guess because we were family it was like a church close family mm-hmm. and um I was the saint I was a good girl growing up yeah. and I suppose maybe many people were shocked we yeah. were shocked because um yeah I guess as my nana would say I thought you'd known better Elaine you know, that was the mindset then. Um, yeah, so I remember this guy stood up in the church and I didn't like this guy as a teenager growing up in the mm. church. I, what, well, when I say not like, I wasn't keen on him. He was just very um, boring, <laughs> for the want of another word. And just yeah. conservative, that's the word. Okay. And he just, I didn't connect with him you know on a level of having a conversation or anything and when he stood up I thought oh no I'm excommunicated from this church great and he just said um let's let's join in a circle um with Elaine and and her partner and let's pray and I remember that just that just I had respect for that man Mm. after that that's done something in me. Of course, when I look back about the letter, mm-hmm. I at the time I didn't see it as a public humiliation. Mm. I didn't see it as a negative thing. I seen it as this was the solution. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of seen where they stood up and they prayed for me. And after that, I felt support in yeah. a lot of ways. Yes, I felt sometimes eyes looking at me mm-hmm. and having to wear my coat and, and big coat and different things. But I felt love from majority of, of the church. Mm-hmm. So, so that nearly outweighed um, the, me thinking about this letter. Mm-hmm. It was only maybe three years later where someone says to me, that was terrible what was done on you. And I said, what was done on me? Mm-hmm. And they said about how I was made write the letter and that's when I begin to think about that and think about yeah you're right <laughs> that was you that know was this terrible. kind of public um humiliation shaming. And I suppose they were shaming yeah. and I guess maybe it was quite a conservative church maybe the thinking at the time was you know you this is what you do um mm. but yeah so I remember having to work through that and mm-hmm. and and finding peace in my heart, forgiveness in my heart. Um, 
and, and letting that go because I knew it was important not to hold on to that anger. Yeah. Um, but I just know it could have easily maybe went another way mm-hmm. um, for me. Yeah. Yeah, you could have. I mean, it was it was fortunate that at the time that guy spoke up, mm. you know, that he spoke up and instead of further shaming you, he encouraged everybody to pray for you, mm-hmm. which wasn't really the tone that that meeting was going. But the tone shifted when he did that. Exactly. And um, you got to see the stark difference between shaming and supporting. Yes. And that is like two different things happened in that meeting. Exactly. Yeah. And I didn't realize it till many, like only 10 years ago, I was at his daughter's wedding mm-hmm. in the evening. And I felt it just come into my into my heart. Um, just share with him the impact he had, the words of him standing up mm-hmm. and how that impacted um, me for good. Mm-hmm. And it was the catalyst, I guess, for change, positive change. Um, and he was so nervous when I said, and you stood up and do you remember what you said? And he was <laughs> like shaking, nearly oh, thinking, what did I say? Yeah. But he had tears in his eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, I just want to thank you. Because mm-hmm. I, the part of the woman I am today is because of your reaction. Yeah. And I t- we had a joke a bit about how I didn't find him really interesting or <laughs> all that kind of thing. And, um, and how I had the height of respect for him afterwards. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. quite interestingly, just a couple of weeks ago, one of the leaders I happened to bang into organically I guess and Mm -hmm. I haven't seen them in uh 25 years this particular one Mm. and um yeah it was actually him that brought it up and asked me I've been always wanting to have a conversation with you over the years because they were 30 the guy was 33 at the time and so Mm -hmm. I would have a lot of grace about that they were doing what they thought was they hadn't experienced. They were doing what they thought was okay and mm-hmm. was right. And um, yeah, we had a beautiful conversation, mm-hmm. a beautiful conversation um, about, I was able to be honest, real, but I was able to say, I've forgiven you a long time ago. Mm. And he was sitting there wiping tears oh, wow. because I think he realized, wow, okay, this had a um, this could have had a massive impact. It did have in some ways an impact, but I was able to f- to let it go and forgive. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, after that meeting, that meeting where both those things happened, mm-hmm. um, how did the next few years go? You know, with the birth and mm-hmm. raising her and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the first few months w- was was okay. I felt quite a bit a lot of love quite a lot of support whatever way they knew to uh, Mm. within the church um and I guess from my parents with the best they they knew to do Mm -hmm. um and yeah no counsel but I didn't receive any counsel so what happened with me was if I'm completely honest and transparent Mm -hmm. what happened with me was on the outside I had done all the right things just to ease the pain, I guess, for the my parents and yeah. the church. And but on the inside, I was still so hurt, wounded, confused, ashamed, 
condemnation, all these things was going on. Mm. But I never on the outside. It's like I wore a mask. Mm. I done the whole church thing. I still went and sang the songs because um, more to please my parents, if mm -hmm. I'm honest. And mm. part of me, I knew I had a relationship with God and part of me didn't want to let that go, but I didn't know what that looked like. Mm -hmm. I really thought that God had turned his face away from me when mm. I got pregnant because I had committed in some ways the ultimate sin. <laughs> Isn't that funny how yeah. that's been made to be the ultimate sin? The ultimate like, geez, sin. Come on, man. Yeah. yeah. It was like, um, yeah, it's it was really a mindset. Mm. But I believed this mindset with my whole heart to the point of I played church. I guess I played church. Yeah. Put mm -hmm. this smile on. But what happened, the turmoil within me would resurface every now and again. Mm -hmm. And I was nobody I trusted to really share what was going on in the inner thoughts of my heart. And I knew my parents expected me to, I guess, marry him. And when the baby was born and stuff like that. So Michaela was born in, in 1995 in mm -hmm. February. Mm. And initially things was OK and... Like uh, at the end of the day, I, I was 18. Um, sorry, just gone 19, two mm -hmm. months gone 19. And he was 21. And when I look back, I do have a lot of grace about he was young. He was a professional yeah. footballer. Mm -hmm. But at that time, I had to grow up and I had to be a mum. Mm -hmm. And my parents, again, were just quite strict about, you know, in some ways that the... the quotation that would have been said then was you made your bed you can lie in it yeah so to speak and so yeah it's like I grew up mm -hmm. overnight and I do remember him one time saying to me where's the fun Elaine oh because maybe the fun Elaine became quite serious <laughs> and was dealing with with all this of trying to figure out what's it's going not on like you didn't have anything going on <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no one had compassion, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, trying to figure out. I guess I even wasn't completely honest and transparent with him. Because mm -hmm. how could I? Because part of my worry was, should I, what, what does the future lie with him, mm -hmm. I guess. And, um, you know, he liked the party life and everything that went with that. So I, in my heart, just knew, um, is there a future here? You know what? I didn't know my identity. I didn't mm. know my worth. And but I knew, OK, is this is this the best? Is this the best? Mm -hmm. There was many th things going on at the time that made me think, OK, I don't know if there is a future here. Um, and I remember um, he, he in some ways he do, he was brilliant to me throughout the pregnancy and he'd done he was good to me as best he could, mm -hmm. you know, but we were in two different directions. Mm. I was in another world compared to him. Mm -hmm. And there was also this conflict going on in my heart yeah. as well. And I what it came to where I became quite sad, became quite um, depressed. Mm -hmm. And I just remember one day lying in the bed I'm thinking, what am I going to do? I can't marry this guy. Mm -hmm. Several things had come to the surface and I knew in my heart I was worth more and that I couldn't marry him. Mm -hmm. And um, 
and that also that I I wanted that relationship that the deep relationship that I had with with God rekindled so to speak and I didn't pray for a whole year that's how much I believed God had disowned me so to speak yeah, yeah. Um, so it's quite law and quite legalistic in, in some ways and rules and regulations. And I convinced myself of this, never expressed this to anybody. And then one day I had nobody and I was lying in the bed and I thought, who can I talk to? And I just felt, well, maybe I'll just try a little prayer. Maybe he'll listen. Mm-hmm. And I just, in a very gentle voice, started talking to God again. And I started with repentance because that's what all I knew. Okay, maybe if I repent, this will put things right. But I did feel his love and his forgiveness and his presence like never mm. before. It's like he, he got in the bed beside me, put his arms around me and said, it's going to be okay <laughs> and give me direction. Mm-hmm. Um strength as I said he gave me a supernatural strength that day that when I got out of the bed I sat felt like um did you ever hear see that episode when you're a kid um super gran or Popeye the sailor man it's like I just got this supernatural strength and courage Mm -hmm. and confidence when I got out of the bed to kind of know what I needed to do Mm -hmm. and that was uh I I believe I had an encounter that day yeah really and truly I had an encounter and so even though I made a decision that time to end things and kind of move forward, I feel um, it was like somebody else was with me along the road. Yeah. Again, I had that relationship back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't it funny how, you know, not everybody has this experience with God or the, the church that is um, where, you, you know, you were saying that you felt like apology was all the, the only tool you had. Mm-hmm. But it's like sometimes we can go through life feeling like a relationship with God is very one-sided and it's one-sided on, on our side Yes, that we are to apologize over and over and beg for scraps and maybe that'll put us in a good place with God. You know, if there is a God, we think, you know, Yes. but really the relationship, I believe you have a relationship with God it's it's from him coming to us mm-hmm. and I mean everybody has a way of you know um maybe your experience with God but my experience with God is that he, he came for me you know and that day all you had to do was say well maybe I'll just talk to him yeah. and then he took it from there it was like a transaction yeah and I often look back and say, why did I wait? Yeah. Why did I wait so long? But it, sometimes I think we need to come to the end of the road of where we're trying to do things by ourselves. Mm-hmm. And at that, at that time, I was trying to fight all, it all, the journey on my own, I guess. Mm-hmm. And all these feelings and the volcano had erupted mm-hmm. and I had nobody. Yeah. So it's like, OK, let's test let's test this and see yeah and I've received his just a love and a grace and a a a forgiveness and an embrace Mm -hmm. yeah and such compassion that I seen God through different eyes um and I I say to myself 
um, you created that mindset, Elaine. <laughs> you know, that was always available to me. Mm. In some ways, I feel, why did no one say this to me? Yeah. But the other side of it is, they thought I was okay because I played, I played a great game. Yeah. I had the mask. I sang the songs. I put on this smile. Yeah. But I was tormented on the inside mm -hmm. and taught, um, there's nobody I can trust to be, tell the truth. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's people who's, who are listening to this right now. You might be listening to this and you attend church. You would call yourself a church goer. There's people who are listening who you don't go near a church. This is not your thing. But no matter who you are, you might have the same response of not telling anyone and putting on a mask because, you know, it's so hard to be vulnerable. It's so hard to admit that, you know, we feel weak or we feel something's not right, you know. But we were talking before this and I guess we can skip over to this part, mm -hmm. but if you were talking to somebody who was going through an unplanned and or crisis pregnancy, what's a piece of advice that you'd give to them? Okay. So I would say seek help, mm -hmm. find someone you trust and share, share, share the fears, share the worries, share the doubts. Mm -hmm. have compassion on you mm -hmm. and look after you mm -hmm. and prioritize you on the on the journey but find so a safe place whether that's through counseling or that's through a friend through pastoral care whatever that looks like mm -hmm. and, and and share because to have support it's key yeah it's key um to help on you on that journey and, and taking the loneliness away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to shift gears into the last piece, which mm -hmm. is this kind of, this is really a piece for people who are part of Christian circles. Mm -hmm. And you know, if you're not part of a Christian circle, if you don't consider yourself, you don't identify as a Christian, this is going to be, this might be healing for you to listen to because the reason why you might, um, not be a part of that circle or might not want to touch that kind of life is because you might have been hurt in the past. And well, I just want to say on behalf of that, if that's you, I want to say, I'm sorry on behalf of those people who maybe put you through something that you had no right to be put through. Um, and I want you to know that that experience that you had, it, I, that was those feelings that you have are real and I believe that there is healing for you beyond that. I believe this is me. I believe that Jesus has healing for you beyond that hurt. And um, for people who uh, would consider themselves church people, Christians, anyone in, in those kinds of circles, um, you know, if you have a, a woman come through who's in crisis pregnancy, um, it's really important how you respond. And Elaine, do you have any bits of any thoughts about if somebody comes to you and they disclose to you that they're in a, a, a situation, an unplanned pregnancy, something's, they're just, it's not 
something they planned on, but what would you say would be a good response? And there's lots of different good answers, but like, what's the thing that pops at the top of your head? Yeah, I would say to respond in love and to not act shocked. Mm-hmm. And they, they say actually in the therapy room where there's congruence, just being genuine, mm-hmm. no judgment and empathy. Mm-hmm. That's what builds a therapeutic relationship. Mm-hmm. I would say the same in the world. Yeah. Non-judgmental, empathy. Let them know you're genuine and let them know, know, them know they're loved and they're supported. If it's in a church context, explain the grace of God, the forgiveness of God. And it's just a little prayer. Mm-hmm. You don't need to spend ages in turmoil. And that's what I would say, yeah, to mm-hmm. somebody today. Love, care, support and listen. Mm-hmm. Listen and don't judge. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Elaine, for sharing your story. Yeah, I mean, you're welcome. everybody needs to hear that. They do. <laughs> Um, whatever background they come from. And if you're listening and you feel like you want somebody to listen, if you've had an experience that hurt you in the past, please feel free to send us an email. Um, we are, the email address is unshamed at zoecommunity.ie. You can also go to our website, zoecommunity.ie, and you can click the contact button. And that um, email that will be sent, I usually read them or one of our admin team reads it. It's only between a couple of us, so it's very private. If you need to send a comment or a thought or just if you need someone to listen to you, we can be there. Um, And if you are a person who wants to learn more about what we talked about and you live in Ireland, We do training events um, throughout the year for Zoe. We do awareness events at churches that will be actually starting up this autumn where we come in and for a couple of hours, uh, we have um, myself and one of our therapists, we come and we talk about listening skills. We talk about understanding personal biases. We talk, uh, we're actually going to talk through some stories and things um, just to help us all have a good response to women going through crisis pregnancy. So if you want to learn more about that, again, you can send us an email, you can, um, go to our Instagram, send us a message, whatever works for you. But, um, thank you guys for listening. And until next time, keep living unshamed. Thanks for listening to unshamed. If you like this podcast and want others to be able to easily find it, like subscribe and share to your social media. You can find us everywhere you like to listen to podcasts. If you want to send us a message, email us at unshamed at zoecommunity.ie.